Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. My guest today on the A-Game Podcast is a full-time real estate investor out of Georgia. He's the host of the Level Up Entrepreneurs Podcast on YouTube and everywhere you find your podcasts. He's the owner of Level Up Real Estate Education Company, premier lead gen company. He, you will see him in some commercials for EasySellATL.com. He is the owner and operator of Ferocity Assets and has created a seven-figure real estate business. While still in college, he's mastered wholesaling, flipping, multi-units, marketing, lead generation, and more. Please welcome to the A-Game Podcast, Gino Palomba. Thank you, Nick, for having me, man. Thanks for the introduction. Definitely, man. I always get nervous with the intro. Like everything else, I kind of go you loose with, perfect. but I have these bullet points and I'm like, ah, you have a lot. You got a lot on there, man. You're, you're a busy guy. What you? I mean, you're you're uh, early 20s, right? How old are yeah, you? Yeah, I'm 22. Man, 22. that's amazing doing all that stuff at that age, man. Appreciate so it. I think anybody listening to this is always, uh, you know, anybody I come across, regardless of what the age is, they always wish they started sooner. And you obviously did, but I figure you probably even wish you started earlier yeah, than Yeah, I mean, I still say it too, because I, I mean- I started when I was 19, but I wish I started. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I wish I started at 18, you know, <laughs> 17, 18. So for people right. who aren't familiar with your story yet, you are, uh, you're becoming a force. You're popping up everywhere. You're doing a whole bunch of stuff, but give a little bit about your background, about where you came from and how you got into real estate. Yeah, no, I grew up just on a normal uh, town in Georgia, nothing crazy. Uh, my dad was an entrepreneur himself, so I would say we're about middle class, maybe a little bit above that. So I grew up great. I never had to worry. I wasn't one of those heartfelt stories. I just, I never really had to, you know, stress on my back, to be honest. Um, and, you know, what I always looked at is uh, my parents never pushed me to do anything. Um, so I did play sports, baseball for 13 years of my life, all through high school, all through, had a college opportunities, decided not to go. I had played basketball for probably 10 years. I played football for probably six. So I was always doing active. Most of my whole life was just focusing on um, sports. And then came a time where in high or middle school, me and my best friend, John Paul, we started flipping stuff and we would start going to like Ross and going to like Marshall's. I mean, this is 2012, 2012 doing this. And we were selling stuff. I would take my mom and say, let's go take me and John Paul. And we would drop off and we would stay there an hour just looking on eBay, scanning stuff or looking things up and um, flipping things. So Again, this is my journey, how I got into real estate, but I was doing entrepreneur stuff, sixth, seventh grade. I used to sell donuts. So at our school, they would have Krispy Kreme donuts every like Tuesday and Wednesday, and you would be able to buy on the students. It's like, um, it was like a dollar each one, or you can get, you know, seven for a dozen, right? Something like that. And so I would buy a dozen. I would just sell them to everyone after, because it would only be open in the morning time for about 15 minutes from like 7.30 to 7.45 before school started at eight. And so I would just go in there and I would buy them. And as soon as the time went off throughout the day, I would just, every class, I would be selling them off for a dollar, a dollar, dollar. Um, and so people were like, yeah, shoot, I'll have one in third period instead of having one right when I woke up. And so anyway, I started doing that stuff. Seventh grade, I got more into selling shoes. Um, I started selling Kobe's. Like I would wait in lines to get them. I would sell them. I wish I still had some of them. They'd probably be worth a lot now, but I still have actually like some LeBrons and Katie's anyway. So I started flipping shoes. Eighth grade comes, I start selling chargers, Apple chargers um, that I would get from China, just like regular phone chargers. And I would sell them. We sold like 500. I was making like $2 each. I was like, damn, I just made a thousand dollars in a month and two months. And I was in eighth grade. So, you know, it felt like you're making a million. Um, constantly doing that lead up to high school gets more in depth. We go from selling, I get Yeti coolers. I'm selling to people around there. I start selling jerseys. I started selling 
beats. That was the epitome of my time when I started selling beats, um, like on and uh, on eBay, making tons of money. Um, tons of money meaning like one month. We did it in my senior year. Now fast forward of high school, did sixty thousand in revenue of like. 15, 20,000 in profit. And I thought, you know, then I really thought I was on top of the world. And again, I'm going real quick here over a lot of things. Then started um, day trading stocks. Just quick synopsis on that. I did it for like two years full time. I lost everything I had. So I lost my like 20, I actually lost like four grand during art class senior year after I made that 12,000. The next month I put like started trading stocks and I like went up big and then I went anyway. So I lost my butt on that. Fast forward freshman year of college, I started doing, me and John Paul going into, going into fresh, oh, sophomore year. So for all years of college, freshman year, I was doing stocks and then going into freshman year to sophomore summer, we got heavily into garage sales we were flipping like fridges, stoves. I mean, we were doing as much things as we could. And we made like 5K, 6K in that two month summer. So again, we were feeling good about ourselves. John Paul leaves me in August. We go to school together um, to Kennesaw State, which for my George people would know, we go to school, we're roommates. But before we go, John Paul gets a first, he becomes a, uh, which I talked about on the podcast, he gets his, on Steve's podcast, he gets a full ride, well, an offer to be a main role in a Netflix movie. So he takes that. So I'm just putting in time in. I'm putting this time in here for a reason. So on August, instead of moving into us and in, on our dorms, he, he went to go do his film for another two months. So when he was gone, I was looking for the next thing um, because we're in school now. It's hard doing garage selling because we have to go on the week. So I found wholesaling real estate like September while he was gone. September of that year, it was 2018. I first found my first video. I think it was like the end of September. And I remember I was like so excited. I was like, holy crap, what is this? I saw Max Maxwell and one other guy on a, on a, a video together. I was like, what is this? And um, I started indulging for two weeks straight. I was watching as many things. And then I bought bandit signs. I took action, bought some bandit signs, started putting them out, was starting this whole process. John Paul came back like the second week of October. I told him about what we're doing. I said, you're in it now. Let's go. This is what we're doing. Um, so I taught him all the basics I knew and from already watching videos and doing things. And surprisingly enough, we had our first deal closed the first week of November. It was like November 6th of that year um, from a bandit sign. So nice. 10,000. So that gives you my whole background from where I came from and now where I'm at when I first started. So you've always had that entrepreneurial spirit. I like that. You just kept looking for different widgets, I guess, to make that work, right? For sure. Yeah, I'll probably find some more too. Yeah, man, I, I love that. And I think it's interesting that at that age, was anybody trying to discourage you from what you were doing or like, you can't do that, you're going to get in trouble or anything like yeah, that? No, I mean, like even my parents, that was a good thing. That's one of the things I was talking about in the beginning. Like they never stopped me from doing anything. So I was, they never discouraged me. I never got a regular job before. I never worked for anyone else. Um, I mean, I've done things for people, right? Helping them out. But I never have done a full-time job. They never pressured me into getting one. Um, I mean, obviously they saw me selling stuff, making money. So they're not like, you know, pressed on it, but I'm um, not just playing video games, but they also <laughs> never stopped me from doing like you know, day trading. Like I was day trading when I was 17 and I, my mom let me use her account. She opened it. She just gave me the credentials. Right. So it's like, Hey, you know, they were there to support me. And so that's what really helped me. They didn't push me any direction. They didn't tell me I had to do this stuff. I just found it on myself and in my, and John Paul, we just wanted to do it. That's awesome, man. As, as far as being an action taker, is that something that you just, it sounds like you've always done it from just an early age of just kind of diving in with that, having to overanalyze everything. Is that part of something that's been in your family or is that something unique to you? Um, I think it, I wouldn't say it's unique to me, but um, I, I, no one like, I mean, no one told me to be an action taker. You know, I think I, maybe I just saw it in front of me, right? I see just people I know and uh, family members and friends that just would take action, my dad's buddies. I mean, they're, I mean, I can't really pinpoint one thing, but I'm sure it's just that I just inherently saw that every day, you know, versus just sitting there and, you know, doing other things. I mean, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. You know, the reason I bring it up is because I find part of your story fascinating that you watch the Max Maxwell videos and then you started buying the banded signs and you just started really just taking action with the pieces you have which I feel like when I was younger, I did more of, but more and more now with the, the climate we're in where you can pull up YouTube and podcasts and Instagram stories and all these free courses and stuff, like that stuff wasn't around when I started, you know, 13, 14 years ago. 
So it was a little more difficult to get overwhelmed. And now I feel like more people that I talk to with more free content out there than everywhere get overwhelmed by that. And they won't watch a video and take a step because they feel like they need to learn everything. And every video puts you on a rabbit hole to another video. And then this, and it's like, well, what do I do? Do I cold call? Do I PPC? Do I this? Do I that? So, you know, that's where I think the fear of not knowing all of it and making a mistake in general keeps people from moving forward and taking action and they sit still. And is, is that something that you had to ba- battle going forward or, you know, how did you handle that learning curve? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's mostly, it's like analysis paralysis. You know, you watch so many things, you get distracted by stuff now. Um, so what I try to do now is, is I'll make sure that if I'm making a decision on a marketing source, or I'm making a decision on anything. Now I want to make sure I have my close knit and the group of people I've talked to grown mentors and, and people I've grown relationships to make sure they can justify or they can also agree with me on it in terms of me making that decision. So now I'm not just jumping from one thing or the other. I got I got Chandler, which is my integrator now. He's also preventing me from jumping to different things. <laughs> and I'm helping him too. I mean, he's kind of a joint. He's kind of both too. I always tell him too, stop, don't do this. And we kind of balance each other out. So that way I'm not, and again, I, I talk to people, right? I'll make sure, like I'll talk to Steve Trank. I'll call him up and I'll talk to him and I'll say, hey, do you think I should do it? Should I do this? You know, should I join this, do this company? Should I build this? Should we start doing that? And I'm not going to do exactly what he says, or I'm not like just doing it based off his opinions or other people's, but I want to see where they're coming from another side of it. And so that prevents me from making just rational or not irrational decisions, just jumping onto something. Right. So I guess I learned it over the times and everyone had a difficulty in the beginning, you know, because you see stuff and this person's cult calling is great. This person's texting. What I figured out is I just want to pick two things at first, actually one, when I first start out, master it and then move on to the next one. Once I get it completely systemized, then I'll move on and I'll go to cold calling or if I'm not cold calling, I'll go to texting, you know, stuff like that. I think that's really interesting, too, because especially even at your age, I think sometimes not only asking for help, but not even having the wherewithal or, or sometimes just having a big ego and, and not doing that, like just being young. Um, where did that come from? Again, is that something that you've always been open minded to? Because I leave even what you just said is you have enough. You have enough to go out there and ask people for their their opinions, but you're open-minded enough to take it and shape it into what fits for you. And I think both of those are very mature is asking for help and also not taking somebody's exact words at face value and really just digesting it and figuring out and forming your own opinions. I think it's a very mature take on business. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I mean, mostly what I get all my stuff from is just learning from others. So, I mean, I know a bunch of my buddies and, you know, some of the guys have gained relationships over the last six months that are doing crazy amount of deals. Like they're doing a million a month. These guys I look up to and they tell me the same thing. They tell me, look, you know, consult with your peers, but don't take on to, you know, don't run a, you know, bias to one person or the other. Just try to get an idea of, you know, hey, is this going to make sense? And I do that now. And, it, and a lot of people like, I've had a lot of choices where I was thinking of for sure onto this thing. And then I realized what this person's saying is right, you know, or this marketing source does not make sense. Even though we're making some money, we could be making more in TV or in another avenue with that same money we're spending. So that stuff just comes to light. And, you know, I think it just goes back to surrounding yourself with people that are in the game growing and that you can look up to and ask for real, you know, advice. I think that's awesome. And you you were nice enough to give me some of your time and talk about some of the different groups you were in. We've been in some of the same ones. Uh, hopefully we're in some future ones. But For sure. the, the more I talk to people, man, every time I get off a, a call or a podcast with somebody, at some point, collective genius pretty much comes up on every level. Even just yesterday, I talked to my buddy, Dan Garrett, and he was talking about his TV ads. And I didn't even realize he's in collective genius as well. Really? How, how important has being in these different circles and working with different people all over the country doing all these different strategies helped shape your business and your mind for what's possible. Actually, in the- I got the hat right here. I was actually going to wear go. a collective Ooh. genius hat. Um, so the big thing with, um, you know, surrounding yourself with people and not just collect genius to those masterminds is you're able to bounce off ideas and you're able to see what's working in some other people's markets and what, what they're doing. So collective genius, especially, you know, we'll meet once a quarter and we'll talk about, and we'll eat. Everyone has to share one give, they call it, right? You're, you got to give something to everyone there. So when me and Chandler did it, we've only been in it since January, end of January. When me and Chandler did it, my partner and me, um, we gave our texting platform and not just our platform, but how we, our process and our system behind it. 
And, you know, what, what that happens and what's that lets you do is, you know, you give and so does the 40 other guys. We found three or four things that are game changer that we could start implementing the, the week we came back that could create way more revenue, could it's lower our expenses. I mean, all this stuff keeps you, you know, on top of your game. If you're around people that are doing more than you or, you know, your mountain higher, you're learning things every day. If you're, if you surround yourself, and I think I was talking with, who was I talking with this about? Just recently, I was talking to someone and it might've been Steve, but we're talking about how if, if I just stayed hanging around people and I was the only one making the most money, right? For my friend group um, or for my real estate friend group, at least, and I, I'm doing, you know, my number, right? And they're all below me. Well, I'm going to feel in fear. I'm going to feel good. I'm going to be, I'm doing the right thing, right? I'm doing, I'm doing good. I'm the best one here. And not just an ego thing, but also, hey, I can lay back a little bit. You know, maybe I'm not really thinking that, but conscious, unconsciously, I am thinking that because I'm just like, I'm the biggest one, right? I don't need to work harder. But when I go around people in Collective Genius, and we're only in the select one, there's two ones, right? So when we first joined, we were on the border. They said, just join select and work your way up to premier. So we're in select still, but the people you get to meet and I'm, I've made gained a lot of good relationships with some of the premier guys. Um, and these guys are doing again, a million a month. So when I look at my number where we netted a hundred and like 40 last month, which our best month ever netted when I see that, and these guys are making 1 million, <laughs> I'm saying, well, I'm, I'm, I'm way behind. I'm six times behind them, seven times behind them. But if I go to my buddies, my other, you know, just especially your friend group, but if I go to my other, even real estate buddies, I'm around, um, just around in Georgia, I'm looking at it and I'm saying, dang, I'm doing, I'm doing really good. But if I put my, my time in other people and other markets and not just, there's people doing way more than me in Georgia too, but with other friend groups, I can, I'm constantly motivated. So it doesn't just help you, um, you know, learn more things, but also motivates you and keeps you in the business to catch another number, right? You can see other, I didn't even know a million was possible a year ago, a month, right? So now you see that you can reach that. You can now try to achieve that goal. You know what you're working to. Man, I, I think that's awesome. I agree. It's, it's a double-edged sword being in groups like that because you feel like you're doing okay. And then you walk into the room and you feel like you've accomplished nothing, you know, exactly. and it, it, it almost knocks you down a peg first, like, and then you got to take a deep breath and go up. But I think that that's anything. I think I was just talking to Casey Ryan, and he was like, "Man, the fastest yeah, way to feel it, like right? you've done anything." Yeah. And he's like, his, "He's like the owner of Levi's is in there, like pulling in whatever." But you know, I think it's it's the same thing with anything. Is the second you think you have it all down, you don't need any help. That's when you become like the blockbuster videos and the Toys R Us, and you kind of get left behind. So I love that. Even on like the, the fighting stuff, you know, I talk to guys that are black belts, and it's like you get that black belt. And then you have to go seek out all these other things because you realize how much you really don't learn or how much you still have to learn from all these different guys. And, you know, as much as I know in real estate, it's like you said, when I go to these things and then somebody asks me for advice, now I almost feel like, what are you even talking to me for? Like, do you even understand what else is out there? And like, what are these people yeah, exactly. doing it? it, it it's mind blowing. You know, it reminds me of my, um, my guitar teacher when I was younger. He used to tell me, man, I just went to go see the Allman Brothers. He's like, and when you come back from a show like that, you either want to go practice guitar every minute of every day to get that good, or you want to smash it because you know you'll never get that. And I was like, yeah, man, exactly. it's kind of inspiring and stuff. But one of the things that I think is interesting too is when you and I had talked, I was saying one of the things I was struggling with is I was in two or three different masterminds, and then I had a few other courses and stuff, and they all have calls and things you have to be on. And I was like, man, I'm taking like 10, 15 hours a week now, yeah. but I'm getting on these calls and it's taking away from my business. I don't know what to focus on, where to do that. How are you balancing out being in all of these groups and taking in content versus also making room to just obviously run your business? Yeah, I think the biggest thing there is this, you know, it's it's not just time blocking, but it's knowing when to listen to those things. Like, you know, I barely watch a live video um, anymore from a podcast or a um, any sort of, you know, like paces, zooms and the sub two courses <laughs> because I'm constantly trying to work on my business. But soon as I'm in the car, I'm, I'm putting one on, right? Soon as I'm in the gym, I'm listening for an hour. My buddy, Jared, he's an acquisition manager. He's like, I tell him, you need to listen to some of Steve's calls on while we're in the gym. He's like, heck no, like I have to listen to music. For me, I have to listen to podcasts. If I'm not listening to podcasts, I feel guilty now with myself. Like I want to do it so bad. If I even try to put on music, I'm thinking to myself, I'm losing, I'm losing my chance to learn something new. Like I was even watching just, um, what was the video I was watching the other day? I was watching a basic video and I was like, I don't even watch these anymore, but this makes so much. Oh, it might've been like 
an old bigger pockets one or something. And I was like, that is something I didn't know. And I believe it was something about perk tests. Like I didn't know a perk test for land is like to know about the septic and the well, well of the water. And if you can use, if you could do that, like it might be amateur of me, but I didn't know that. And I heard that I was like, Oh, that's what always they talk about with perk tests. Right. I heard of it, but I just, so again, that little thing is just something I wouldn't have learned if I wasn't obviously putting it. So yeah, back to your thing. It's just, it's very hard to be constantly in, um, learning and when you have so many groups i mean that's the thing i battle with like oh i'll join this call but i purposely just anytime i get a free chance i'm watching as many stuff as possible um, in the car working out right late at night same thing yeah i think that's awesome man. and thankfully because of the age of technology everybody's usually got it up like on a google drive by the next day exactly. you yeah. can pull it off so that the definitely dream. helps but some of the stuff I, I heard that was interesting that i loved is when you were talking to steve trang you guys were talking about how you take some of those those sales and negotiation tactics, and you don't even realize it, but you start implementing them into your everyday life. How many other things are you doing? It's, you know, it's funny, I, I, uh, I was teaching a class one time and I told everybody like, you're never, it was a bunch of uh, new, new investors. I was like, it's gonna change the way you look at everything. Like I was watching John Wick and he's like murdering 30 people and there's bodies flying everywhere. And I'm going, man, he's gotta update those cabinets, those countertops, like oh, you started yeah, yeah. looking at it everywhere. And the stuff you were saying about the negotiations, how much is like, just what you're doing in sales and life and business adjusted what you're doing in your personal side. Yeah. I mean, they're closely related. I mean, cause if you're talking about every single day, I'm training, I have two training times with my lead managers. I got them for from 10 to 10 30 and from three to three 30. So I'm constantly teaching more and more and re role playing and doing things, telling them to use this and that. So that constantly makes me use it. And so now when I go into, like you heard on Steve's podcast, I go into, anywhere stores restaurants anything i'm constantly being able to use those sales skills because they're universal it's not just real estate sales what we're learning you know we're also learning about just sales in general and just the human mind and how it works right so to answer your question yeah i mean they they overlap a lot they overlap a lot which might not be a good thing but hey <laughs> i still do it i still use a lot of my sales skills or my business stuff and i still can put it to to uh, real life, personal life. Have you taken any of the Chris Voss classes? I haven't took his classes. I read the book, never split the difference, but I use the pay or Steve talks about it a lot too. Seems like it feels like it um, sounds like it, all that stuff when you're uh, labeling them and then mirroring same thing. I mean, we use that in our business too. So I I'm not an expert at it, but I definitely use that a lot too. If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced, any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesaling, fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com, go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure, or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. It's, it's funny because people, you assume like, especially sales guys, real estate guys yeah. that are doing that stuff all day, that they'll catch a lot of it. But I'll mess with like some of my buddies and they'll, they'll, they'll be like, hey, I just got never split the difference. And I'll send it to people sometimes. Mm -hmm. And they'll be like, hey man, I got the book. I just read it. And I'm like, just read it? They're like, yeah, yeah, the book you said. And I'm like, book I said. And I'm like doing all this stuff. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. dude, I'm doing the thing you just learned about. And they were like, oh, I was like, but it worked. Like you just kept bringing more yeah, stuff yeah. out. So it's funny, but I, I do like it. And it, it is a lot of that same stuff with, um, you know, you catch yourself like personality types for me were something that like once I learned to identify a personality type, it helped me understand my friends and my family so much better of like, oh, this is why, like, I have to say it like this because this is how they, they, they take things in or learn stuff. Are you doing any of that stuff with your teams? Um, we don't focus incredibly on personality types. We just run off this mo mostly. So we do read some of them. Um, we really focus on the outliers though, like the red sellers. And, you know, don't say this to a red seller. Don't start telling him what to do. You know, don't tell her what to do. You know, you can't act like that. Same thing with someone that needs to see more visual person. You know, they need to see the agreement. You can't just tell them what you're going to offer them. Let them see that agreement, you know, immediately so they can visualize them selling their property. 
and you know what the price they're getting for it right so different things like that but nothing i mean we could be definitely doing a better job of you know using more i think there's that my buddy was what's that one company that does a lot of that for sales um their main what is it called it's like you be a, you can become a you have to take the class i don't know if you know what i'm talking about yeah you have to take this class and it's a our freaking something you have to be certified in it and anyway it's like I just went blank, but it's like, you have to be, you're testing and mostly learning just the psychology of people um, and how they make decisions for sales. Nice. Yeah. I'll check it out. I'll look it up too. I'm always interested in that stuff. Just the psychology. Uh, of NLP, NLP. NLP. Oh, I got you. Got you. Yeah. 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 Neuro linguistic program. Yeah, exactly. About the brain. Yeah. Nice, man. So with the, um, with the teams, you touched on this, I was going to kind of swap back to it, but I think it's interesting too. So teaching people how to do stuff, obviously, it really helps you relearn the fundamentals and see the stuff that's important when you're explaining it with your team set up. Now, who is on your team and how are you managing them? Like, how are you breaking up for what you teach and who you teach and when you teach? Yeah. So everyone on our team, we have about 13 people on our team. Now um, we have, I'm ahead of there's departments, right? There's all departments at the top. There's a visionary integrator. I'm the visionary Chandler's the integrator. We got the marketing department. That's all handled by Marion. She's our Venezuelan VA. Uh, she's been with us a year plus. She's smarter than all of us combined, me and Chandler. So she runs our marketing and just making sure everyone's hitting their numbers on marketing. Under marketing, we got, obviously we got cold call, text, um, three cold callers, one texter. Then we got a template creator. She works that and she also is our quality assurance agent. So she listens to all calls. So she's half a template in quality assurance. Next, we got sales, which is I'm the sales department head. Under me, we have the lead managers. We got four right now, two Americans, two virtual assistants. Um, and then under that is we got our acquisitions. Jared, he closes all of our deals. We'll go over now to the um, operations. It's Chandler. It's just Chandler there. And then under that, we have the quality control agent. Um, and that's, again, Melanie. She does both the texting templates and the uh, she listens to all lead manager calls. Then we got transactions, uh, coordinator, which just actually is my girlfriend, Melanie, another Melanie. And then no one under her, she just handles transactions. Then we got Dispo, which is Brandy. And Brandy just handles all of our Dispo. Um, and then finance. Finance is now Chandler as of two weeks ago. He's handling all finances. So a lot of stuff there. But, you know, we got about 13 VAs. Or excuse me, we got about nine or 10 VAs. Um, and then the rest work in America. Nice. So how do you split up? Like, so for instance, let's say you have somebody looking over quality and they come on, are you doing the training to tell them like, Hey, here's what you look for. And do you have SOPs and things that you have set up for like, these are what the good calls look like. These are what the bad calls look like. This is what they should never say and, and getting them. Yeah, so for the quality, for the quality control person, that's a good one is it's, we just hired about a two month and a half ago. It's changed our business because she grades all the lead managers. All we give her is what we did. We went through the script my script has now I, I made a, a script. Well, I made a template for her that shows her like how many points each part of the script gets. And her job is literally to make sure that these people, um, you know, these people as in our lead managers are hitting every part of our, our script and going into the detail they need to on certain areas. Some are worth more points because they get asked more questions, making sure that they're, you know, like she'll tell us, Hey, this guy's sounding, this lead manager is being a little bit too, um, you know, pushy you might be a little too pushy so yeah she's also looking for the key sales stuff um key you know just reading the sellers but more importantly she's just making sure that they're hitting the script and that's what we train them to do every day for the lead manager we just want them to simply get all of our processes all of our steps and want them to qualify the v, our, our leads as much as possible so we can get those called by jared and the acquisition department so for her again we had sops we had we had a trainer exactly what the uh, the standard operating procedures. We trained her exactly what to do, where to go into Salesforce, which Chandler handles that, where she can grade the calls, all that good stuff. And then I handle mostly the sales and, and part of it of just learning the script for her. Awesome. No, that's awesome stuff. That's a, uh, it, it's a lot, but I can see, you know, every time I have conversations with like doing SOPs and listening to this stuff, I'm learning more and more to just record everything because it's, it's going to come in handy down the road somewhere, but it was blowing me away when I would go back and see some of these calls. Cause you, you know, you, you get a call back from, from your, your closer and he's like, you know, this guy told me to go screw myself. And I'm like, but it came in as a hot lead. And then you go yeah. back and you backtrack the call and you see like, it never should have been in there in the first place. And 
So it, it's a lot to track. But how, how are you setting up the pay structure for somebody who's doing quality control? Quality control is just our VA in the Phil- or Actually, she's in not Philippines. We have no Philippines. All of our VAs are Latin Americans. So actually, she's actually in Spain. Oh, wow. So she's not even in Latin America. She just moved from Venezuela to Spain. Um, we just pay her $6 an hour. And that's her job is just to simply listen to calls all day. Um, any lead manager calls that are over three and a half minutes, she listens to. Um, and then that way she can go in and decide because if there's, if there's anyone that's more than three and a half minutes and has not gotten through the script, the person deserves a bad call rating our lead manager, the lead manager know within three, three and a half minutes, get them off the phone. If they're not off the phone by then she'll grade that call and she'll see, Hey, a lot of times now we've trained our lead managers in the last month for having her is they don't want a bad grade. So what do they do? They quickly disqualify, which is what we want them right we want them to quickly disqualify as much as possible now not completely throw to trash leads right because they obviously get more incentivized by how many appointments they sent so they're not just throwing leads away but they're going to see if someone says only for the right price right when they ask if they want to sell they're going to go straight into motivation on that seller and see if he really wants to sell if nothing at all just wants a high price and that because we called they're going to get off that call in less than three minutes no doubt so they can call more people so that's all she's doing any calls over three, three and a half minutes, and we have it saved on Salesforce, so it auto fills those calls and sends to her to grade, so she doesn't have to touch that. That's what she's grading. That's awesome. And that's so what she the, gets paid. Sorry, the six dollars. Back to what she gets paid, the six dollars an hour. Now I think that's really smart with the um, with the the CRMs. I know we had talked a little bit earlier about. Um, I guess you started on smartphone and Podio, and you switched over to Salesforce. I'm hearing more and more people switch over to LeftMate and use that. Part of my hesitation there is having to relearn a new system and then reteach a new system. So for you, making that decision, I you said it's, it's been a positive one for you, but how tough was it transitioning out and what were some of the pros and cons to doing that? Yeah, so there's still a lot of stuff. So I, I don't like when these people can say it's like turnkey, like no CRM's turnkey. Like you're going to have a lot of headaches no matter what. So if you're not ready to take those on, like I'm lucky as heck because I had Chandler, the integrator, I didn't touch anything Salesforce. Chandler spent a lot of hours, even though it already came pre-built, fixing things, editing things, coding things. If I didn't have him, we probably would have been another month behind. It took us about a month from purchase to start purchase. um, And then we started about a month later in terms of full-on capacity. So it is, it's still very, you know, time-consuming. But the good things that we did is I just had Chandler. If I was by myself, I would have stayed in Podio for sure. I would have stayed in Podio because I wouldn't have the t- energy or time to do all that stuff. And it's, it's, it's a big, big advantage Salesforce. But at the same time, if you're doing deals already, you got to look at the risk return that full month, two months, I would have been struggling trying to learn S- Salesforce. If I was doing it myself, it would have took me away from my business and we would have made way less money if I was just, you know, on po- you see what I'm saying? Like the, yeah, the, yeah. the whatever, what is it called again? The, time value not time value of money but i guess maybe yeah your time and your value of the money goes down if you're spending more time working on salesforce setting up than you know your new crm yeah your it, old crm it definitely gets stressful when you see like the leads coming in and you you don't have the time to get back to them because you're messing around on the crm you know it's it's definitely one of those things so you, you obviously built it out pretty pretty well and pretty pretty extensive for somebody who's listening to this that's starting out just getting into wholesaling maybe a solopreneur what would you say would be the first step or the first thing that they should do to expand their team? Uh, to expand their team, I would say they need to get rid of the thing they're worst at first. For me, it was having to deal with the admin and list stuff, right? <laughs> so having to change a skip trace list and, and filter out lists and things like that. And then you can get a VA for $4 an hour and they can just handle, you just tell them what to do. You make one video, two videos on filters of what for them, what to do on Loom, right? Loom's our favorite thing. Loom is where you can record your screen and, you know, do, I don't know if you've used it before, Nick. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. You know, and Loom is amazing. So just Loom a video showing on what you need to do and show them different, you know, filters and lists. And then just, then you start teaching them, right. Build a process out for them and show them what they need to do. Again, the worst thing you're at, right. So if you're not good at cold calling, then I would start getting people cold calling for you, you know, or if you just want to use your time more like me, my second hire was a cold caller because I no longer want to spend my time cold calling leads. I'd rather use my time, you know, to be talking to the more motivated people. So again, if I'm starting out new again, I'm going to get rid of the one thing I'm worst at. And then I'll start going delegating to, Hey, 
the stuff that takes most of my time that's not the most revenue generating, right? Cold calling, yes, that's where you get your leads. But hey, look, if I'm calling all these leads and I'm not gonna be able to focus on the good ones too because I'm not gonna have time. I'm trying to create many, many leads. Get your marketing systemized and then um, you can start being now, then you can start hiring lead managers. You can start hiring you know, people to take care of those leads. But yeah, I would go first into what I'm not good at and then once you got that all systemized, I would go into just getting marketing systemized because our whole business is on marketing. I love that, man. And we're going to talk more about this stuff that you're doing and offering too. I definitely want to hear more about that. But as far as your lead generation and marketing strategies, I know we talked about like when we talked, you were doing TV, you got a whole bunch of different stuff. What are your main marketing channels right now for lead generation? So the funny thing is like we just had our level our level 10 meeting with uh, some people with me and Chandler and our other leadership team, which is our meeting that we every week. We go over issues, difficulties, and why I'm bringing this up is we did SMS, cold call, and TV. It's our three marketing channels. We've always done cold call since I started. Well, now we're thinking as of today, literally an hour ago, 2 to 3.30 was our meeting. We're probably going to cut off mostly cold calling because our return on our investments only been about a three, which is still good. But what we see is we have different avenues like TV where if we spent the same money, we could get a way better return. So we're actually now going to slow off cold calling. We'll still have it for niche data and like landlines, but our main marketing sources now are just TV, SMS, and we're going to start working with some PPC companies um, to keep bringing in some warmer leads. That's what we're talking about right now. Um, and we're doubling down on, on TV. That's another thing too. We're going to spend another 10 grand a month on TV. Nice. What made you decide to go that route? I know I've done a little bit of radio and I see some guys doing some TV stuff, but I imagine that, the leads that come in for there are really great warm inbound leads. Yeah. I mean, I would say they're, they're not as, you know, they're not as hot as everyone says on occasion. I'll tell you, it's about uh, so you get a hundred leads, 20 are going to be actually serious sellers and you should close at least one in five of those. Right. So out of one in five, we'll close about five deals a month just from TV. And we're trying to, now we spend 20 grand. We're going to try to make actually 50%, not double down. We're going to do about 30 grand now in marketing spend. Um, so we'll get about seven, eight deals just from TV. Um, so it's all what made us change too is just our, our KPIs. Uh, we track them every day, track them every week and every month. And cold call was just, there wasn't as much in the pipeline in cold call. And we've been, the last three months, we've only done like two or three deals from it. So it's like, hey, we're only doing two or three deals from that. We're doing six deals from texting. We're doing four deals from SMS. You know, why are, cold call, I mean, <laughs> or, excuse me, four deals from TV, Six deal for SMS, and we're not even doing a deal in cold calling barely a month. So let's let's put that money back to the things that are working right now. So we're doing that, and then yeah, we're thinking of doing. We learned about some cold calling st or uh, PPC stuff from Stephanie yesterday. Stephanie Betters cool. did left Maine, um, so we're gonna go jump on some of that maybe too. Awesome, man. For, for TV stuff, how long did you have to run it before you started seeing some leads coming in and actually return? About it. it T leads came in right away on um, the first week, but to really get your name out there and in constant, like for people to really want trust you, it took us about four months. Okay. I would say before we even closed a good deal. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. I would say four months, uh, okay. three months, excuse me, three months. Yeah. I guess it sounds right. I mean, most of the stuff when you hear starting out, usually like 90 days is kind of the, yeah. the benchmark for when you start to see results on there to give it a fair shot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I would stay at least in whatever you try and do, at least for 90 days. Nice, man. So for, for you, you have other stuff you're doing now. I know you're getting more education out there. You have your podcast. So talk a little bit about what you have for uh, Level Up for the, the course. I think it's actually, is it this week or next week? Oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have a, uh, so we have a, we start a little Facebook group and um, just have people on every week, just like Nick does. And um, just trying to help as many people as possible. That's really our goal. That's our vision on it. Just help as many people as possible. Now, along with that, we started offering a little bit more of a, a virtual workshop every month we're going to start doing. Where we'll go in depth on everything on our business, all of our key departments, like I mentioned. We'll go in depth and the people under there and what the roles are, the systems, the processes, the scripts, everything we're doing, we're going to go over in detail. And so we're going to try to do those once a month on those virtual workshops, which we have one this Saturday, like you said, our first one actually from uh, 10 to 6 PM. So nice. we're going to be going hard. Awesome, man. Yeah. So, and I'll, I'll put links in the, in the show notes for this. So for every, sure. obviously, whichever ones you're doing, even if this comes out after we can get you all linked up with that. And then what made you decide you wanted to start doing the podcast and the Facebook group? 
I guess it was really just a lot of people would ask him, were asking for help for me. And uh, I would get DMs on Instagram, Facebook. And I felt like, it, you know, it was time for me. I've always thought about it, but it's time for me to start, you know, going more in fled or more in um, more, what's it called? I don't know why I'm saying fled, but more into, you know, education space, at least helping people out. Cause I, I always take calls for people, answer them, but I feel if I can put it in one, one designated area of Facebook or, you know, that group where I can share all of our information there, it would be more beneficial for people can hear my conversation, what we talked about or how you help this one person. So that's really the, the reason why. Nice, man. I know you, you got a lot of good contacts that have already been on there dropping a lot of really good knowledge. So it's going to be big. Appreciate it. Definitely, man. What, so what are you doing with Premier Legion? Yeah, Premier Legion is our lead generation company. So we um, have about 10 clients now doing our texting software. So it's not our software, but it's our it's our um, our process. So what we do is uh, we have a cold calling pr- process or cold calling product uh, where we'll cold call the leads for you. We have our trained bilingual VAs, fully trained by me every week, um, and they'll call for you at a certain price. Then you got, a, we just started doing like a couple of weeks ago, a texting service where you just pay by how many texts you want per day. So it's like, it goes from like 500 to 1,000 to 1,500 to 2,000, and you can just pay like that. And it's billed monthly, but you that way you don't even have to worry about dealing with lists or templates um, or dealing with managing the VAs. Cause usually even if you have another VA company doing it for you, you got to manage what the VA is doing to an extent. And then you also got to You got to be in charge of changing the templates and changing, you know, cause that's a big thing with texting and changing phone numbers and doing all this and making sure your response rates up, Well, we'll handle that for you. You just pay us by how many leads you want or texts you want to be sent a day. So those are our two products for that company right now. Um, and we also just do recruiting VAs. That's our one little product too. So three total where we'll just say, Hey, Nick, you want a VA that's good trained and fits that, you know, the role of a lead manager. That's what you're looking for and fits your, um, the criteria or fix their profile of a lead manager, the predictive index we use, then we'll hire someone. We'll go out and find someone for you that fits that criteria. It's your job to train and manage that person, but we'll find you a VA that fits that role for you. And you'll pay a smaller fee than you would as if we did the texting for you. Awesome. And are you utilizing any of those VAs for your social media? Um, actually, we just started doing some of our social media for that level up. We just hired one that's going to handle all of our, uh, what's it called, copywriting of our podcast, and then also <laughs> posting on YouTube and different things like that. So yeah, she, we just hired one just uh, this week, actually, to do that. Awesome. Yeah, if you, if you get that, I'm definitely always interested in that. So pass those along. I'll, I'll take you up on that for sure. For sure. Nice. So as far as uh, like goals and stuff, I've heard you talk about some of the things you guys got into. I think you had recently closed a multi-unit too, right? You're going into commercial now? Yeah. Well, yeah, I've always, I mean, I'm just trying to get as cash flow as possible. My goals are just to build up a big portfolio. Um, am I heavily focused in it right now? No, I'm trying to get as much money as possible to do that. Uh, we just closed a 17 unit or I just did. I bought it with a good buddy of mine because um, he could, he could get the financing. I was like, you know, let's just partner up on this. And so we got a good rate. Bought it. Uh, cash flow is about forty four hundred bucks a month after everything, so we're making twenty two, um, and so it's game changer. I actually got in it. I'm actually making not twenty. I'm making about fourteen because I uh, fourteen hundred because I actually took a private loan out. I at, raised money for it, so I have no money in the deal. He, uh, I got someone to give me a hundred thousand. That was our down payment. We need two hundred k, so I raised um ten percent. It's like eight eighty a month, eight sixty. And so I'm paying a private lender that for mine because I still cash flow 1400 Nice, man. It's creative. I like that. Yes, sir. Definitely. So what is your main dispo strategy now? Are you, I know you wholesale, but are you also doing some fix and flips? Are you wholesaling? Are you like, what kind of I would stuff? Say, um, so we closed, so far closed deals is we're at 36 on the year. Awesome. Um, so I have a quarter, so quarter one was 30 or quarter two. The first half of the year was 36, um, and I would say out of those 36, six or seven were flips or wholesales. We never really flip; they're all wholesales, right? We'll go in there do five grand at most, ten grand at most. Um, I'm fixing it up, but those seven of those were flips um, or wholesales, and then the remaining, you know, 29, 30 were all wholesales. So we're still doing a majority wholesaling, but now just recently we're starting to get more aggressive and doing the wholesale model with that open door. I think if you've seen any on that, we're selling a lot to open door. Nice. 
Yeah, man, the MLS buyers right now, like wholesaling is just such a great strategy. I feel like it you got to get all things good, man. That's, I had a deal I was talking about on a, a different podcast, but it was like, I kicked it out to a bunch of investors and all of them were like, there's not enough profit. I threw it on the MLS and made like 130 grand on it in three weeks. See, no, look at no. that. It's craziness, man. So it's an interesting time. But uh, so when you're doing the, the commercial stuff, did somebody else bring that to you? Or are you using the same lead generation strategies to try and find some commercial assets? Oh, the commercial? No, it was actually a, it was a text lead. Oh, cool. So we do, I try to do apartments on our list and we have a lot of success. Some of our biggest deals have been like multifamily um, in Georgia. So we, uh, we target a lot of multifamily as much as we can actually. And so it was a list we pulled and it was like, we followed up, followed up, followed up. And then got lucky. He Christ dropped like 150 K. Nice. Yeah. So it was a good deal. Sick. And we, I, we just wholesaled a couple of uh, multi-units at a couple of mobile home parks. And just during that due diligence period, man, the it's amazing how the prices change with some stuff. Like when you see that finish line and they're willing to come down like two, three hundred grand. It's yeah, it's crazy. Crazy, man. It's a wild game. But ever wanted to play the drums? Or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan Lamagna. Dan Lamagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard. The Real Mackenzie's, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He has played all over the world and he is also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to 833-632-0585. Again, text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833-632-0585 for your free online drum lesson. Yeah, this has been awesome. I really appreciate it. I, I don't want to take up your whole day, but I like to call this the victory lap at the end where we kind of wrap up a few final questions Perfect. before we let you go. First one is, what is one of your favorite quotes? My favorite quotes? I'll be honest. I don't even know one quote on, <laughs> on top of my head. Um, My favorite quote. Um, yeah, I don't even, I'm blank already. I, I don't know. I mean, something from, I'm trying to think of one I recently said. <sighs> I'll be honest. I don't, the one that just hit my head, I'm not going to lie, was if you're not first, you're last. Boom, Talladega Nights, baby. That was, that's <laughs> the one that just hit me in my head right now. That's a great one. Who doesn't love Will Ferrell? Awesome. Man. What, yeah, what about yeah. books? It could be, I guess, books are. Do you read books too? Or are you mostly just the Yeah, podcast? I mean, I do a bunch. Of, I got some right here. Some of my good ones. I've watched. I just dropped something. I would say my favorite book all time is this one right here. Traction. Nice. You've probably heard from a lot of people. Sure. Traction is my favorite book of all time. For sure. I mean, that's helped me just lay out my business and put it down. And uh, now I'm, I'm investing in some other mentors that are teaching me based on that EOS model and different models that's going to help us grow our business tremendously. That's a lot to digest, man. I think I heard Pace talking about how, like, I guess rocket fuel is more of like a layman's term yeah. version of that. Oh, here it is right here, rocket fuel. <laughs> nice. I got rocket fuel here. Yeah, no, um, rocket fuel is more like the beginner book. Read that first, not beginner book, just read that first, and then retraction. Rocket fuel breaks down uh, just the, the roles of the integrator and the visionary which that's what starts the business. And then you go into traction and it'll go into more detail about how the business should run and what systems need to be put in place. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I think uh, I'm very jealous that you found this so young because it took me probably like 12 years of real estate to realize that like, I'm not a real estate investor. I'm somebody who's running a business and now I have to learn business principles because that's really what's going to carry this thing. Like the houses are again, it's your product, but learning how to run a business and actually like manage money and have all these things is, has been something I wish I learned decades ago, man. It's crazy. Yeah, no, I'm blessed. I'm lucky, again, just surrounding myself with people that, you know, help me out and, you know, just advise me, you know, and I see stuff on YouTube. Again, you didn't have that back then. So it's a blessing now to see all that stuff and those educational courses and things like that. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a crazy world, man. Usually what I ask now is I say, hey, know what you know now about life and business. What would you tell a younger you starting out? But you're still young. I guess, I don't, I don't know. Like, what would you tell just like a new investor starting out that's getting going? Yeah, I mean, uh, what I would tell a new investor starting out, my big thing that I said to on Steve's podcast is just, you can't, 
you know, fail if you don't give up, right? It sounds so simple, but a lot of people will like, you know, I didn't get my deal in the first three months, four months, five months. I know guys have took nine months to get their first deal of constantly act, taking action. And now they're making 500K a month. So uh, my biggest thing is do not give up, go full in. And, you know, you got to believe in yourself as bad as, you know, not as bad as it sounds, but as, you know, it's typical thing to say, but if you're not doing that, you're not going to be able to, and again, if you don't believe in yourself, you're going to stop. I mean, you're going to quit. So if you just don't give up, you're going to find a deal no matter what, and you're going to close those deals. And then that's when you can start taking off. And the, I find myself repeating cliches almost every single episode, but they're yeah. there because they're, they're true. I mean, exactly. they work. You know, it's, it's one For of those sure. things. You know? So I know two last kind of quick things here. One of them okay. is the education side of it. You've taken so many trainings and I've heard you say this before, but investing in things for your, for your mind, for your, for your strategies, for yeah. your business, you're so young now, but you know, that knowledge that you have and that experience that you have at that age, regardless of what happens, I feel like you're always going to have something in your head to rely on that. You're never going to have to go back into like the job force or wonder how you're going to make your next paycheck and stuff. So I know there's a lot of people that want what you have, but they're not willing to put the time or the money in. Was it a struggle for you at first to write that first check for that first mentoring? Yeah, I mean, I would say it was definitely for sure. I remember I bought my first tickets to We Live um, 19, and right. So I only closed two deals by then. I might have made like 20k, and I was like thinking to myself, "Freak! Well, these tickets are a thousand each, and I'm gonna pay 2k." And and it, I mean, for sure, there's no way I could tell you that it wasn't a you know like I swallowed it like hey it wasn't a thing that it was nervous for me but now from just constantly doing it and investing more in my time and energy I can see that it makes sense you know why I've grown we've grown so quick so we've grown so much so quickly is because we invested in people and courses and stuff like that and and it's given you a return on your investment like I mentioned before too is you know everything you can look at as a return on your investment i tell you for our thing not to self-plug but on for it's a thousand dollars if you i guarantee you one thing in there i'm going to share will make you ten thousand so that's already a 10x return not including the thousand or hundreds of other things we're going to be talking about chandler's going to go in detail marketing but you only need to learn one thing remember real estate is the best business and real estate wholesaling is one of the best business because of this if I learned one thing, like Collective Genius, it cost 18K for me for the select a, a year because I'm paying 1500 a month or you can pay 15K up front. I put shows, obviously, leverage that money, take terms. So I put 1500 a month. But what I'm getting to is all I need is one thing to learn from there. It's for me, I, my average deal size is 20K. I need to learn one thing and I'll get my money back. Just one deal. If it can't help you, and I've already probably gained 10 deals, but if it has not increased you by you know one deal by the end of the year and that in that group then there's something wrong with you you know right there it's there's just 100 percent. there's something wrong with you because i've already learned i've get i could probably credit it knowing wise to like seven or eight deals knowing that it came from different strategies i used from them one deal for sure i learned novations from eric brewer who's also in there and talks about it made twenty six thousand. so there you go right there and spent 18 going to spend 18 i haven't even spent there i'm halfway through so that's awesome. Yeah, that guy's really impressive. I, I love all the different things. So you're, you know, you're, you're looking at a lot of the things that I think interest everybody, but I know you have, you know, go, going after the cash offer, then you have an ovation agreement, you have the sub two, which is a big thing that Pace is doing that uh, zero to hero thing, which is just absolutely yeah. awesome if anybody's getting a chance to check it out. And now are you also doing something on the retail side for listings? Uh, listings, we don't do as much. Um, cause I'm not a realtor, but we actually funny enough are just implementing that. Like this week was one of our big things, like saying we need to get a full-time realtor to work with us, um, to do it. So yeah, but we do refer realtors. I have realtor buddies that refer, but we don't have an in-house one yet. So yeah, we're pitching cash and only our acquisitions. Now we did have our lead managers pitching, um, terms. I stopped doing that now because what I figured out is, and what Steve talked about and what's just human nature, everyone goes for the easier option. So soon someone would give us a market price. Uh, market value price, my lead managers would ask a couple questions, but not enough to dig down and see if they really is their best price. So they would just settle for the owner, seller finance, right? It's the, the human mind is going to take the easier route. So instead of just toning, keep balancing and trying to get to the lower price for that person, they would just take 
you know, the market value price and go right into terms because they know it's. So we took that away from them now. I said, you guys can't offer terms, no lead managers now. We're only going to be focusing acquisitions on those terms. You guys just have to focus on cash, cash, cash. So, but to, for acquisitions, like we we're talking about, it's, it's cash, novation, seller finance, and then we're going to hit the realtor. We're going to push away as much as possible. Say, hey, just go with the realtor then, you know? So, yeah, we'll, we'll pitch four options to them. Nice. How many calls do you usually break that into? Is it all done like once they kind of shoot down the cash offer? Yeah. So we'll, we'll shoot that all in one. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll make them an appointment. We'll present the number that the, that the home buying or the, uh, excuse me, we'll present the number that the finance department said the property qualified for. We'll tell them this number qualified, you know, and we do that because it's like a mortgage, you know, they're not going to negotiate if they think it qualified for a certain number yeah. and we'll give them, we'll do the never split the difference. You know, we'll give them exact numbers. Like it's calculated 125, 650, and 25 cents. Right. And so we'll give them exact offers. They say no to that. And they tell us maybe 140. We're going to say, okay, Mr. Seller. Well, you know, one, I would probably say, what should we do now? I'll let them tell us. Because what I'll say is, oh, okay, you're at 123. We're at that number. You're at 140. What should we do? And usually they'll respond back something like, hey, I can do 136 at the most, right? So you get them to their price. Then I would go into a novation pitch. I say, hey, I can come up on my price, Mr. Seller, but I need you to just help me out. And um, I need you to take in consideration and that I need, I'm going to need more time and um, access to your property in order to give you that more money. And they'll say, what do you mean? Well, I can offer you 132 or 133. I'll never go to their number, get near it. And it will be cash terms. But what we're going to be doing instead is I'm going to need access to the property because I'm going to show it to some retail investors or retail buyers, right? And we're going to list it on the market where you're going to get your cash you want. You're not going to deal with realtors. You're not going to deal with closing costs. You're not going to deal with any of those headaches. We're going to take care of that for you. But we are going to need access and we're going to need more time to close. So that's how we pitch innovation. Now, if time is a big deal to them, guess what happens? Okay, so time is, and you really need to close quick now. What you'll see they'll go to is say, well, can you at least go down to 130 cash? They'll come back and they'll try to solve it. You know, say, I actually just want cash. I want to close quick. Could you do this? So they'll come back. That that offer will help you. You know, your innovation will bring them back. Um, they nice. say no to both of those. Then we'll go into, hey, I can give you 136. I'll give you your price, Mr. Seller, but... Are you willing to take terms? What are terms? We'll go into it depending on the mortgage, right? I won't go through the whole thing. They say, heck no. Now we're stuck on um, a realtor option. Actually, we actually added one more thing in there. So if they're still not there yet, what we'll do after the terms option is we'll go back and we'll pitch them this thing. We'll say, hey, Mr. Seller, at 136, I'm not confident if I can do that for you. Okay. I'll be hundred percent transparent with you. I'm not confident, but what I can do is if you give me two or three days, I need to get this written, a written agreement signed from you. So I can show this to my manager first. So in order for me to present your 136 offer, I need a written agreement signed and it takes me three days and I'll put on the agreement that I'll let you know in three days, 72 hours from now to give you an offer. If it's a no, we can't do 136. Well, we'll just go our separate ways. Fine. No hard feelings. Thank you for t our time. If we can do it, well, I just got you your price. So you got your price and we can close in that 30 days or less. And what that does is what we figured out is our last wholesale deal was a 50 K we assigned the one before that was 42. And the one before that was 35. And that's not a good thing necessarily because our offers must be really, really low we must be, our MAOs must be really, really low if we're getting those spreads. And so that worries me a little bit. And so what we do now is we're just started doing this this week. Another thing Eric Brewer taught us was this method. And so what we're going to do is in those two or three days, we have it under contract. We're telling them the truth. We need to see if we can do this. We'll let you know what we're doing is then marketing it out to our special group of buyers. So we're not going to blast it to everyone. We're going to market it to our four or five top buyers, our hedge fund guys and see where they're at. And we're already been surprised that a deal that we thought we couldn't do at 136 is going to make us 15,000, you know, like to give you examples. Right. So I would never have locked it up. I thought no way someone's going to pay that much, but it's just, it's just crazy. So like, again, we're adding that in there. If they won't do that, 
then we'll just go to the real and we'll push them to a realtor, right? So I guess really five now. Um, so that's what, something that's a big value for you guys listening. You could start doing that and you're being honest with them. Hey, just give me two or three days. I'm gonna let my manager take a look at this and see if he can approve that. And then again, we'll come back and say, yeah, we can do it because, and we don't have to say, we say, yeah, we can do it, but we already have it under contract. So it's another thing that you don't have to worry about now having to go get it locked up because I've had deals in the past where I did this model and I told him, give me two or three days to figure it out. And I never locked it up. And then I come back to him. Oh, I already sold it to someone else or, Hey, Gino, I actually, I'm going to um, not sell anymore or whatever. But so one, now that I have it locked up, I'm saying, okay, we're good now. We're, we can approve that 136. The title's being run now. So that's dude, a little tip right there. That was a freaking strong finish right there, dude. That's that was a strong that finish. finish. Oh, man. That was great. Anybody listening to that, I hope they were replaying that and taking notes. But every part of that, including that little tip at the end about making sure you have it on the contract, man, was absolute gold. I really appreciate you going into the detail on that. That was amazing. So I like talking a lot. So we know we closed a little late. Now you're good at it, man. That was awesome. You've been absolutely uh, generous with your time, man, on more than one occasion. I really very much appreciate it. Um, I'll put all the links in the show notes, but tell people how do they find you? How do they work with you? How do they take your course? How do they get the lead gen stuff? Yeah, so I mean, the links will be down below, but you can find me at Gino underscore REI underscore ATL, like Atlanta. So real estate investment underscore Atlanta, ATL um, on Instagram, active there. Facebook, you can join our Facebook group. It's Level Up, Level Up Entrepreneurs. You can join that there. I'm sure there'll be a link down below. In there, you'll see that where we're doing our first uh, our first course there and wanting people to sign up. Um and our first workshop, I wouldn't say course, it's a workshop event. And um, yeah, you can see a lot of our stuff there, Premier Legion stuff's mentioned in that Facebook group. And if so, if you're looking for VAs, feel free to reach out to us for sure. Awesome, man. Well, I'm going to hit you up offline about that too. I'm very interested in anything else uh, before we let you go. Any final thoughts? Don't give up, man. Get those deals, chase that money and get that money. That's the question. Get the money. I love it, man. Well, your future is very bright, man. I'm really excited to see where you go. You're taking this as a very huge at a very young age. I appreciate you putting up with my my recent sinus surgery. I'm trying to push through, so I apologize if I'm a little nasally, but you're awesome, man. I appreciate it very much. You definitely bring your A game. Gino Palumbo, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for having me, Nick. Have a great day, man. Thanks for coming on. Yep, thank you.